Hello East Glenville Community Church, this is Jessica Munn with episode 24 of So, I Have a Question, and I'm here with Pastor Mitch, Yep. and this week we're talking about your teaching on baptism, which was a lot of fun. It was. Yeah, so um, this last Sunday, I because we're doing ba- a baptism, infant baptisms this coming Sunday, and so that was in my head, and I, I had kind of an extra Sunday after finishing one series before we jump into the Easter type sermon. So mm-hmm. I thought I'd at least kind of lay forth what we, what we teach, what I teach here at, at East Glenville. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question. So you started by talking about the different uh, understandings of baptisms and the debates that happen within the Christian faith. Um, and you hit a couple, you hit mostly the, the method, the age at which it's done and then also, like, does the baptism itself hasn't have an effect on our salvation status? Not have an effect. 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 Yes. Effect. It is a different yes. word. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was curious, were there any... Are you sure that's all of them? Are there any others that you missed? Um, I'm not sure at all. I, <laughs> I, in fact, I'm confident there are others so the other one you didn't mention is also the name that you baptize whether the name of jesus or father son and holy spirit um yeah so uh there's probably many i don't know about and um the the one that i know is out there someone actually asked me uh today is is who who can baptize Mm. Who's authorized to baptize? Does it just have to be clergy or whatever? And so that's very different in the different traditions. So I, I when my, the initial denomination I was ordained to was United Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. And their expectation was only authorized clergy would do baptisms. It's um, So high church, high liturgical churches generally want the priest or a pastor to do such things. And, mm-hmm. and that same is true for, for leading communion. Uh, low church, which means kind of churches that are more casual and it's, we're all equal. There's no like special ordained group would then say anyone can do baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, East Glenville kind of falls a bit in the middle on that. So where I would come down is I do think anyone can baptize. Um, the best example we have is, is the, Philip, who's a deacon, but, you know, he's not really like an apostle or anything official per se. Mm -hmm. Um, And he comes across someone who, the Ethiopian in the desert, and like he gets baptized right there because it's it's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I think it's permissible. I do think, though, it's actually wise to have it be done by the pastor, at least overseen by a pastor, for a couple reasons. One is... Is it? I, I believe baptism should be an act of the church mm. and not a private thing, unless there's some needed reason. Yeah. So we we want to baptize. It's the church is given to baptize, and so the pastor kind of knows, is able to speak for the church. Mm-hmm. It's not just an individual. And then the other thing is just just knowing what to ask and and what to make sure people are. Thinking about you know that they're they're ready to really make that decision and and so we 
we are at least used to thinking that out and, and asking the right questions. So mm-hmm. I think for that's the other reason why it's probably good. But do you know what? If it came down to it and someone, um, you know, it was like a one-shot opportunity, yeah, you could you could baptize. Okay, any any believer in Christ can. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the, the two examples I know of where a like, pastor didn't baptize was like one was technically the pastor was standing right there, but the father was an, of the kid was an elder or the young adult. Okay. And so they like specifically said, like, can my dad baptize me? And so like everybody was standing in the baptismal, um, okay. but it was the actual dad of the uh, kid was doing the... Yeah. And when I baptized Lizzie, her friend, um, her mom was our children's ministry person and she asked to baptize her daughter. Mm-hmm. And I said, so, so yes. Yeah. Which actually threw off my church a little bit at the time because they weren't used to that. They were mm-hmm. a little more in the mindset of the pastor should do that. But there you go. It worked. Yep. Yeah. And I think the other example is I had my sister has a friend who his parents were not. Did not necessarily approve that he was not going to the Catholic church. Then he was okay. going to a different church. And so he knew that if he did got baptized more publicly and they found out about it it would be a big deal and he okay. would get in a lot of trouble. And so he actually, he had talked to the pastor about doing something private, but schedule wise, it didn't work. So he actually had my sister who was like the leader in their, um, uh, the group that met in their high school had her do it. Okay. And so it was one of those things where the pastor knew about it. They had talked about it. He wasn't necessarily the biggest fan, but he was like, you know, I, I know that where you stand as a Christian, like I know that you, you know, as you said, like, I, I've asked you all the questions. I know right. you have all the right answers. And so if you really want to do it and you don't want to wait, then go for it. Yeah. Let's say the only other kind of one I did like that was someone called me up who's, who was dying. Like, mm. and uh, they were having, like, they and they weren't a member of our church or anything. I, and so I, I just went and, and they had all their friends there. And so I that was an interesting one. And mm-hmm. That wasn't a full immersion. It was just a, an adult with a sprinkling. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, and so I'm, I'm just curious about this one. So do you know when the history, like the history of when the split came between infant and believer baptism? Oh, yeah. So, so I, I'm sure throughout the whole history of the church, there were, there were different practices at times. Mm-hmm. But generally, in both the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox, they had settled into infant baptism. And in the the period of Christendom, Mm -hmm. when kind of everyone in Europe was assumed to be a Christian, you baptized infants. And so it was really in the Reformation that that started to be challenged. Now, here's where it gets interesting, is Luther, Mm -hmm. Martin Luther was kind of the first one to speak out in the Reformation against the Catholic Church. But he stuck with infant baptism. So Lutherans still strongly practice um, infant baptism. And um, But then there was a group, and it's called the Radical Reformation. Luther didn't go far enough, said some. And that, that group became the Anabaptist, which means, Anna means again. Mm-hmm. So they were baptized again. And so they would say that the infant baptism was not valid, mm. and the Anabaptists 
then would rebaptize people. And um, so, so some of the groups that came out of the Anabaptist movement were the um, the Brethren, and also the Mennonites and the Amish. And so I went to a Brethren seminary, and in uh, in that seminary, they they talked a little bit about how you know you Protestants complain about how the Catholics persecuted you. Well, you guys and the Catholics persecuted us. <laughs> And one of the ways they did was they would permanently baptize. You want to rebaptize? Basically, they drown you. So that's um, yeah. So the Anabaptist leaders faced that possibility. Um, anyway, so yes, that that was a thing. And then, of course, you get to America, and everyone could do whatever they want to do because we have religious freedom, which is great. But mm-hmm. that so that's where you got the the multiplicity of different denominations. Um, practicing different things. I mean, it started to split off in Europe. So the Baptists that we know today came out of England and then came over. Um, But, yeah, there's a whole bunch of history, but that's probably enough for now. That that really kind of goes back to the Reformation as the big time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, So one of the other... So, yeah, the, the idea of baptism affecting not affecting effecting effecting yes um our salvation so to me that almost like when you were explaining it that sounds similar to the debate i've heard a lot of like speaking in tongues of some people saying that like you have to if you have get the holy spirit you it's shown like physically through speaking in tongues and i was almost like do you think that's kind of similar of the like needing a physical sign to show a spiritual reality I think I think certainly, and what's interesting is both of those debates, a lot of them come out of Acts mm-hmm. and the practice of the early church. So, um, yeah, I think it comes out of the fact that the Holy Spirit is invisible. And my argument was is that that we we are baptized into Christ, and and so it's the Holy Spirit that's baptizing us into Christ, or. The other way of saying that is we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. We have, mm-hmm. and that's invisible. And so we want to have the physical manifestation as proof. And so I think I think baptism as with water was given to us as a way of conveying that. Mm-hmm. But then of course we want to make it more. Um, and I think tongues also shows up as a way of letting people know. I think God gave the dramatic reception of tongues in Acts at least a couple times, as a way to demonstrate that the Holy Spirit had come on people. Right. And so so that they could know mm-hmm. that, because otherwise, how do you tell if the Holy Spirit comes on someone? And they needed to know that. Yeah, especially if it's the first time. The, the first time for anybody, the first time for the Gentiles. Yep. So that's that's where those things. So I think there's some related idea. Um, the, I would say one of the points I didn't get too much into I I talked about Galatians 3 it talks about how we were under the law Mm -hmm. and then in the Old Testament now we are in Christ so we're no longer under the law I think the whole idea of the the you must be baptized immersed to be saved is is almost going back to a law thinking Mm -hmm. and I think there's something in human nature is we like law thinking and it's you know it's we just sort of slip back into it. We always want to create these human laws. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and we need to remember that the gospel um, dominates yeah. in in our and should. Yeah. No. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Um. So on that, yes. have you had? What's your experience with baptism? I'll get into some of the practical stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I fall into your, your odd category. So I've been technically baptized twice. Okay. Because uh, I was baptized first uh, in the Catholic Church because my mother was Catholic, and that was just what you did. Yeah. Um, and then I was baptized again in the Baptist Church I grew up in, and I was baptized at the age of seven. Nice. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of people... Yeah, and I can understand... I remember a camp counselor like a year or two later being like, is it actually your faith or your parents' faith? And me being like, what do you mean? Yeah. So I can understand that the concern there. Um, but I, and to be honest, I don't remember who brought it up first because me and my mom got baptized in the same cycle. So I don't know if it was a she brought it up and then I said I wanted to join or if uh, I brought it up and then she decided to do it with me. Okay. Um, but I, I, I just remember, you know, reading through the Gospels and being like, wait, like, it just says get baptized. Like, why, if I, I said I am a Christian, like, why am I not baptized? Right. So, and yeah, the, at the time I didn't understand the Catholic Church at all, really. So I kind of just ignored my, the little bit of that that I had in me from before I was like three. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's why it's so hard to really, to set a, a, a rule because you know if at seven you are seeking it out mm -hmm. it almost makes sense now not many seven-year-olds probably will right um, yeah i don't think and then there's others that that almost feel the need to be so sure that they wait till you know late in their teens or even you know i did a baptism not too long ago with someone who went through this church you know as a teenager and never got baptized but mm -hmm. wanted to later now he's ready yep so i i find that interesting how yeah. I guess it's hard to set a rule. Yeah, I remember that happened in college. There was one student who decided to get baptized, had been a Christian for, you know, grew up in the church, had been a Christian, and just was like, you know what, like, now's the time. I want to do it. Like, I want to make yeah. it very clear that this is where I stand. And they just simply said, like, this is why I'm doing it. And I think there was, like, four or five other college students who were just like, wait, yeah, I want to make that decision. Okay. And a couple got in arguments with their parents because they had been baptized as a kid, and the parents were like, no, wait, you were already baptized. Why are you doing it again? But to the students, it was just one of those, like, no, like, I I want to visibly show that, like, this is a decision I've made, that, like, I am fully aligned with Christ, even though, like, right. I know it's not necessary, but I want to do it. So. Yeah, which I guess is where I sort of ended up, though. I felt like I did it under pressure. <laughs> from yes. the group I was in. I think so. Yeah. Where if I'm looking back now, I would have tell myself not to do it. Mm -hmm. That be confident that you're you you've declared your faith in Jesus, you don't need to to do right. this immersion practice. And and I guess I do value infant baptism, you know, young child baptism in the sense of as a parent you believe and know that your children are included in the covenant promise that you've received from God. Mm. And that's the that's what it says in Luke 2. It says, you know, repent and be baptized and you'll be forgiven your sins and you receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children. Mm. And so as as a you know parent, you know, it's like this is something um because that is a, a big part of of the covenant aspects, like, you know, covenant 
from Abraham is passed to Isaac, is passed to Jacob. Right. And so, and there's other verses, you know, he will, he will keep his covenant to the children of, you know, to the children's children of, of those. Mm-hmm. And so I get, I can get why a parent would feel a little thrown off if their child said, I, I need to do this my own. And, and it almost it's saying, I don't value what you did for me. Yeah. So, yeah. but I also understand the idea of, you know, the young adult saying, no, I want this to be my decision. Mm-hmm. Cause that is the, the benefit of believers baptism. Yeah. You are saying you believe in Jesus enough. You want to follow him for yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, I I don't think the idea of the covenant aspect because I'm like maybe I've heard it before in regards to baptism, but I don't think I've really heard it expressed much of the like you know that's why infant baptism makes so much sense. Okay. And so like when you explain it that way, it's like oh okay that makes sense. It's like the new circumcision almost type of a thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I can I can totally get behind that. But yeah. but yeah, as you said, there's a benefit to both, and there's it's a gift that's given to the church. So that's how I come to view it. And I've thought about it a lot and my thinking evolves as <laughs> I, as I try things out, Yep. as I have to practice things. Yeah. Okay. And so kind of speaking of this, so you mentioned that the whole point of, uh, these sacraments and both, you mentioned both baptism and also even like the Lord's supper. Yes. Um, and so like the point of those is to help, you know, unify us under the identity of Christ. And so I was curious, like, is that, do you think that's the main reason why Jesus gave those sacraments? Or was it more so the Jewish people were used to sacraments, right? Like they're used to the, the act of circumcision. John the Baptist did baptisms. Um, the Lord's Supper came out of Passover meal. Right. So, there's a little bit of all sprinkled in there, but I, I would I would actually not say that those are the main reason. Okay. Um, so we hold at this church and in the four C's and in almost every Protestant church I know is that there are only two sacraments. Okay. And sacrament is a special word. Um, the Catholic Church holds the seven sacraments. Okay. So baptism and communion and then five others, marriage being one of them. Um, okay. Uh, confession being a sacrament, you know, that kind of thing. We believe, so I would say the sacraments are these commands Jesus gave and the main point is meant to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's meant to convey through a physical action. And so I think they're given to the church to convey these two very important truths to people. And remember, the majority of Christians have been illiterate. That makes sense. We think of the word and studying the word as the most important thing, but you got if you go through history, Christians, you know, you're, you know, if you weren't a, a clergyman, like your experience of the church is what happened to you, and so the sacraments would be the way you would feel and touch and know that 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 you're in. So baptism was the initiation sacrament, mm. right? It's how you know you're in. You're included as a children of God, child of God. Communion was the ongoing participation sacrament. Um, And I think that's why God gave those and would work through those to confirm people's, give them confidence that they're they're a part of what God is doing. Mm. I think the Old Testament equivalence, like you said, is circumcision. That was the the initiation. Yep. And then you said Passover. That's, I would say in general, 
it was the participation in the festivals. Mm, mm-hmm. But Passover being probably the most important of them all. Right. Um, that's which, if you were a good Israel, you know, especially back in the agricultural times, those are the two things you were. You did circumcision, and you did the festivals. So before there were synagogues mm-hmm. and any of the other stuff. So yeah, um, I, I don't remember what the question was. I think you hit it. <laughs> oh, there's oh. the idea: do they unify? And and they can. Um, I get. It gets. It's it's not so much that the the sacraments cause division; it's that people allow them to cause division, mm-hmm. and the sacraments can be. To, I I love to think about the idea that believers throughout the whole world, and there's one Sunday in the first Sunday in October that's it's called Worldwide Communion Sunday, and I, I don't know if every denomination practices this, but mm-hmm. generally a lot of churches try to do communion on that day. The idea that Believers in all these languages mm. are practicing the same thing on the same day. That to me is unifying. Mm-hmm. And and if you're willing to let baptism be the in these different modes, it too can be unifying. You know, I've been baptized in the same thing you've been baptized into. We are in Christ together. Yeah. So it has the power to unify if we're willing to let it. Right. Yeah. Always the if. Um. Okay, uh, so the, so you kind of I appreciated how you would kept reiterating that the sacraments and you know baptism, the Lord's Supper, how they're really gifts to the church. Yeah. Um, and so would you say the same of like some of the Old Testament things? So like Passover and even like animal sacrifices, like were those gifts to the? People of- they, they were gifts and they had the same purpose. They were meant to teach through physical action. Okay. So, you know, you may not be able to read and understand the whole Passover story, but you could hear the story mm-hmm. and you would eat the bread and leavened bread. You would eat of the lamb. You'd see the blood on the door, the door frame. Even as a child, you'd be like, we're, we're a part of this because we're participating in mm-hmm. it. Um Animal sacrifice taught the seriousness of sin and the seriousness of approaching a holy God. Mm. And I think it was a necessary teaching thing for humanity in general. Because, you know, if you compare to the other religions, they did not have that sense of God is holy and you have to be careful on how you approach these gods. Or they were capricious and there's, you know, where... Approach them with everything you had, and they could still decide, like, nope, that wasn't enough, type of thing. Right? They, you know, you, you think of uh, Artemis turning, turning someone into a deer, and then, you know, a hunter into a deer and his own his own hounds. Anyways, so, <laughs> like, yeah, so the the animal sacrifices gave you a way to, and of course it was teaching ahead to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Both of them, yes, were. But even before that, they had their own teaching role in the life of Israel. Mm-hmm. Which is super cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so then you kind of summed up with the th- three significances of baptism, which we've already hit on, uh, or kind of briefly been talking about them. And so it's the you know union with Christ through the Holy Spirit, uh, cleansing by the Holy Spirit, and that we get a new life or regeneration by the Holy Spirit. Um so I was curious because, so John the Baptist, 
baptize people. And he did that before the Holy Spirit came. So what did, do you know what baptism symbolized then? Well, John's very clear. It's, it's repentance. Okay. You know, um, come to, to repent. And what's interesting is baptism does not show up in the Old Testament at all. Mm. That um, there were cleansing rituals, but nothing like baptism. And it seems to be that that John the Baptist and there were uh, um, there were some other Jewish sects that practiced baptism or something equivalent to it. Um, but the idea that that we are polluted as a people, hmm. we are unclean, and before God can show up, we need something to symbolize our our, our readiness to change and our our readiness to 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 return to God. Mm, mm-hmm. And so that's how John the Baptist used the symbol. And it's still contained within right. baptism as we practice it. It just it became came a bigger, broader picture in Christian baptism when it became symbolizing not just the death, but then also the resurrection. Right. And the new life and the um so I think the cleansing was already there. Mm-hmm. Though I don't know if they had a mechanism for what was actually cleansing you. Yeah, I don't know. You know, John the Baptist talks about repentance. Um, and I, it almost sounds like that's showing your readiness, but I, I can't think in his words that he talked about the baptism being able to, to do the work of cleansing. Right. It was almost just preparation for something. Yeah. It was almost the same thing, like a symbol of the, like I, in my heart, I have repented and I'm open to God. So I'm going to do this physical declaration type of thing. And and then it's when Jesus comes on the scene, John points says, this is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. The baptism I'm doing can't do it. Right. You know, but he will baptize with fire or with the Holy Spirit and fire. Yeah. So the question is, what is the fire part? I was thinking, I always think I assumed it was the fiery tongue. That would rest the Oh. But, I mean... I tend to think it's more the judgment. Either you are mm. receiving the the baptism or the fire of... Because John also talked about the fires at the root of the trees. Mm. and um, Or the axes at the root of the trees. Something. Anyways. But that the fire of... Because Jesus often talked about the those who are not joining the kingdom. Mm-hmm. That's the other alternative. So, but it is a little bit open-ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you could even do, think of, like, refining fire. Like, there's, yeah, a couple of different fire symbols in the New, in the Old Testament that he could have been referencing to. Right. Um, in a sense, the fire of, of judgment that's maybe not eternal, mm-hmm. judgment can be such that it's a purifying judgment. Right. Um so, yeah, I, I'd have to think more on what that might be. I tend to more focus on, I baptize with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I think, I think we kind of already talked about this one, but I'll say it anyway, because one of the, like, one of the really good descriptions of baptism that I had heard related it mostly to replacing the animal sacrificing of how like Jesus was the lamb of God and so it was kind of a combination of your of two of your points of the the death and resurrection being part of the baptism and then also the cleansing us 
of our sins that the sacrificial lamb did for us. Yeah, I I don't resonate with that. I I don't know if I would say replace the animal sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the animal sacrifices had to go away when the temple went away. Mm. And and so, I mean, basically, Jesus' death and resurrection replaced the need for animal sacrifices because he would do the cleansing work. Um, but I just. I think I guess I think so much it's replacing circumcision yeah. as a mark of being in God's people. Um, so I, I don't quite I don't know if I would go that route. No, I think that's fair, and I think I think you're right. I think circumcision fits better, and I think I think in one of those ways, like they're all kind of connected because it's all centering around Jesus. Right. So like Jesus died, and because he died, he took like he took away the sac- need for sacrifices. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the baptism that represents his death also represents the taking away of the sacrifices. Right. Well, and keep in mind, the Passover lamb sacrifice was not the same as a sacrifice for sin. The Passover lamb sacrifice was a covering to protect you from the the angel of death that came in the the 10th plague. So... Okay. There was a... There were sacrifices, animal sacrifices for sin and cleansing, but the Passover sacrifice was a special one. And that it's and and so it is I mean, I think there's just so many nuances to, to everything God was doing in the Old Testament. Right. So many different ways of pointing ahead to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um but the that it's almost like he's the covering, his blood is the covering by which we're protected. Okay. Not so much the cleansing for sin and the the Passover sacrifice. Okay. Okay. Think on that one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to think on that one a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um. And a lot of the stuff, it's Paul's later explanation, like from just the Gospels. I don't think we would have death and bur- you know, burial and mm. resurrection from baptism. It's only because Paul, who who had been soaked himself in the Old Testament as a Pharisee as a teacher mm-hmm. and who now had been changed by the resurrection of Christ. He's the one that made some of these connections and they, they don't come out in the initial early church. They come out later in Paul's explanation of them, especially yeah. coming out of Romans where Paul is really laying out all the different ideas of how God's salvation was working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, last question, just because, um, do you have any crazy or really mem- memorable baptism stories? I do, but I believe you have one. And I want to hear yours first. About uh, something about the ocean? Oh, yes. Okay, so my my church was on Long Island growing up. And so uh, we... Uh, so we used to, once a year, we would do a baptism. So we had a baptismal in the church itself. And then once a year, we would do the baptism at a, the beach. Uh-huh. And so, like, you know, random day on the beach, everybody would just go and we'd just form a crowd and you'd get baptized. And so one year, the, the year actually right before I went, uh, the riptide was so strong that the pastor and a friend of mine had gone out. And, uh, when he went to baptize her, he did the whole, like, you know, uh, lower them down. And she put her, like, she actually put her arms around his neck 
And okay. then they went down together, and they almost didn't make it back up. <laughs> and so after that year, they changed how baptism was done, and you would just go out with the pastor, and he would kind of just time your dunking with the wave. So you would kind of just squat, and the wave would just fall on top of you. Okay. And uh, called it a day. <laughs> there you go. So I've never baptized in the ocean. I, um, I think that would be great. Um, and I've never been able to do a river. I've done a lake. I've done a hotel pool because we, we didn't have a baptismal in my last church. And so, um, and then I borrowed pools a couple times. And then we started doing a baby pool in the, so that we could do it right after we do worship. We do all the questions. Then we just go right out to the courtyard yep. and do the baptism. And that's how Ben was baptized. And um, so, but it wasn't super deep. And Ben like balked at the last moment, so I kind of had to like, like cut his legs and like <laughs> almost like wrestle him into the water. Uh, so that was kind of fun. Um, and then the only other one that was a bit odd. Um, so, like I said, I've done infant baptisms. I've done immersions. The first infant baptism I did, I forgot to make sure there was water in the thing. They just had a little fount thing and mm -hmm. took off the cover. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to make sure there's water in here. So I had to own up to, you know, and I'm, I'm rather proud of myself. I, I use as a teaching moment saying the water that we use is not special holy water <laughs> or anything. So we got someone got a bottle of water and we filled it real quick. And, you know, the water's normal, but it's the Holy Spirit in it that does it. And so... I, I pulled it off, um, but I never forgot that again. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are the craziest ones. Never, never no riptide. I heard here they used to baptize in the little crick, mm -hmm. the, what do you call it, the kill uh, yeah. out front. And I guess the snapping turtles were, were about ready to take someone, uh, take their pound of flesh. So I did not hear that one. Yeah, so I, I guess... <laughs> It has been decided no more baptisms in, in the little that makes sense. Indian Creek. I was wondering why. Yeah. Yeah. I know up in college at Potsdam, there was a couple of springs where they would talk about how they would do the baptisms in wetsuits where there was still ice in the water. Nice. And uh, yeah. that, no thanks. <laughs> the ocean was cold enough for me in July. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've, I, so I have a question. Mm -hmm. Had you seen the, the Oh Brother, We're Out Thou movie? I had not. Oh my gosh. I've <laughs> not seen any of the movies. That, I'm sorry. That one I fully recommend. It's the, like, there's a little bit of minor swearing is, is about the main negative in the movie. But, you know, even that, it's just, it's, it's such a fun movie. It's one of my favorites. Okay. And the baptism scene, um... So I guess if you streamed it, it, I'm not sure it came across. I'd be curious if anyone, because I realize, I don't know if Facebook will let us stream like movie scenes, ah. movie clips from, from copyrighted movies. Okay. So I can get away with it in the sanctuary. So everyone in the sanctuary saw it, but, but the music that goes with it, I just think is enchanting. Yes. So I did appreciate it. Yeah. Try to think, are there any other baptism scenes in movies that you can think of? That's my favorite one. Mm. Off the top of my head? There's one other in, in my mind. Um, the Greek wedding one? Oh, uh, is it 
The My, My Big, Big Fat, Fat Greek, Greek Wedding. Yeah. I have not seen that one either. Okay, another good movie. <laughs> not great, but good. Yeah. But it's it's a Greek Orthodox church, and they baptize him as an adult, and they're all, all only do, mainly do babies. Right. And it's a little baby pool inside the sanctuary, so that's kind of a funny baptism. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any others. Then there's the Godfather. Yes. That's kind of a negative one because they use the baptism while he's saying all the baptismal vows. He's having all his enemies murdered. Yep. Yeah, so that's a that sticks out to me. Yeah. Yeah, showing where the symbol because it becomes nothing it loses the spiritual sense right. of what it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just an outward form that doesn't. Meet, yeah, it's not really real in his life. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, um, yeah, this was a one-off on baptism. This Sunday we're talking about the events on Palm Sunday. Mm -hmm. Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. And I'm excited about it because there's a lot of good stuff in this. And um, and then, of course, Easter morning is the Sunday after that. Mm -hmm. And then after Easter um, in May, we're going to start a series on Elijah. Which I'm looking forward to. There we go. I already mentioned that. Yes. Didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> cool. But as always, thank you. Thanks, Jess.